Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Had Saul been a man that feared the Lord, he wouldn't have to be afraid of the Philistines. It's because he wouldn't fear the Lord that now he has to be afraid of everything else that comes against him. A man or woman that will fear the Lord doesn't have to be afraid of anything else. And so I would just challenge us here. If you find that you're privy or you're given to fear a lot, just back up a few steps and make sure that you're walking in the fear of the Lord. There's great confidence for the man or woman that just walks in the fear of the Lord. God, I honor you with my life. We see on the news things happening daily around the world that make people afraid to walk out their own front door. There are various wars around the world. It seems that there's one virus after another. And there even seems to be senseless acts of violence in our own streets. In today's message, Pastor Bill encourages you that if you have the Lord, then you don't need to live in fear. The things going on around you that make the world afraid shouldn't shake you when you know where your hope is. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 28. As he begins his message, won't listen, can't hear. You guys would open up your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 28. Every chapter of God's Word is important, but I would say in addition to all the other chapters, there's some important things in this chapter that um, I think can help us in our walk with the Lord. I titled 1 Samuel 28, Won't Listen, Can't Hear. And I'll explain in just a moment. So, won't listen, comma, can't hear. Uh, Let's pray, and then I'll I'll give some explanation for what we're talking about. God, as we get into the Word tonight, as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 28, we pray you would open up your Word to us. Uh, God, speak to us through this chapter. Reveal things that we need to know. God, we trust that your Word is living and powerful. And so while there's a message that's the message of the chapter, uh, God, I pray you'd also speak individually the message to our hearts. Uh, You know, each one of us, you know, where we are, where we are in our walk with you, what we need to be spoken to about. And so I pray, God, as only you can, uh, by your spirit, as we go through this chapter, you would speak to the hearts of your people. We ask these things in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. A little bit of background for those that may be just jumping in with us. Uh, We're we're toward the end of first Samuel. And so David has been anointed the king of Israel, but he's not yet functioning as the king of Israel, who's still functioning as the hanging on like a last thread to being the king of Israel. Oh, sap. Sorry, Saul. So Saul was anointed king, but Saul did not obey the Lord. Saul was disobedient to God repeatedly. And eventually God did two things. God told Saul, I'm going to take the kingdom from you and give it to someone better than you. But God did something else to King Saul as God removed his Holy Spirit from him. A distinction between the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could be given and taken away. Uh, There were people that God would put his spirit on them for specific acts of service. And then the spirit could be taken away. Uh, An example would be Samson. If you guys remember, God had called Samson to be a Nazarite from the womb. God, uh, God poured out his spirit upon Samson. And it said so that he could begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. So God knew he wasn't going to finish what he started. Um, And Samson defeated quite a few Philistines in his life. But was Samson a good guy? No, he had a problem. He is. He had. They say he's a he man with a she weakness. And uh, everywhere he went, he was 
chasing the women he didn't post, wasn't supposed to be with, going into prostitutes over there. And eventually he gets caught. Delilah was the one that, you know, got him caught up, eventually got his eyes gouged out and they binded him and he was grinding at the mill. And it says, I put a little a frowny face, a little sad face in my Bible. It says that he jumped up like other times thinking he was going to whoop these Philistines. And he says he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And he got up and it was like, wow, there's no power. It's gone. And uh, God did. Samson only prayed twice in the whole his whole story in the Bible. And the second time he prayed was at the end of his life. He said, God, just all these Philistines are here. Let me let me kill some Philistines as I die. And God granted him that wish. But my point is that he can be given or taken away. New Testament. When you get born again, God gives you the Holy Spirit. Amen. Three experiences with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He's with you. Um, before you get saved. So when you get born again, it wasn't a fantastic message. It wasn't the, the wonderful preacher. It's the Holy Spirit comes alongside the preaching of the gospel. But it's him who's with you, helping you see your need for the gospel. So it's, it's, if, if you remember maybe hearing the gospel or hearing the Bible studies and, and all of a sudden you heard it this one time and you said, man, it, it all clicked. That was the Holy Spirit that, that, that the Bible says that that's his job. He's with us helping to reveal our need for Jesus as the Savior, then as soon as you confess your faith in Christ and you believe the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside you. Amen? Amen. And he's never leaving. He's with you forever. He's a, it's the down payment that, that you belong to the Lord and God is coming back for you. But you can have another experience where we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We can receive the fullness of the Spirit. And we see this in the book of Acts where there are people that were saved, indwelled, uh, but then they receive the baptism, the Holy Spirit coming upon them to empower them for service. So the cool thing in the New Testament is that he's not taken away. But in the Old Testament, he was. Um, he could be given and taken away. Saul, Holy Spirit had been taken away from him. And so Saul's life has been pretty sad up from that point on. Um, he's also, he almost looks schizophrenic. In moments, he seems like he gets it, like, okay, I'm wrong. I should leave David alone. And then he flips and he goes right back to chasing David and trying to kill him and going after him. And it seems like the rest of his life is spent pursuing the life of David, even though David spares him. And we're going to see today that his life digresses even beyond that, uh, because God won't speak to him. He's going to he's going to stoop to even lower than that. Also in this chapter, David, if you guys remember last week, David entered into a sad periods of life. And it all began in chapter 27, verse one, where David said, and I said to myself, David said in his heart, he said in his heart, there's nothing better for me to do than to go be with the Philistines. You don't want to be talking to yourself. We want to be seeking the Lord. Amen. Um, David, he talked to him, he lied to himself. He convinced himself that the best thing for him to do was to go join ranks with the arch enemy of God's people, the Philistines. And the setup camp there. And that's where David has been. Uh, if you guys remember last week, David has been going out and uh, with his little 600 thugs and they've been going out pillaging other areas of enemies, all the ites. But when David comes back to the Philistines and they say, hey, where you been? Where'd you go raiding today? He's lying to them, telling them I've been you know, raiding this area of, the, of, of Israel, this area. They think David is completely turned on Israel and that he's their guy. So we're going to see in the, the, at the beginning of this chapter, look at chapter 28, verse one now. And it says, now what happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armors, armies together for war to go fight with Israel. And Achish, that's the king of the Philistines, said to David, you will surely know 
I'm sorry, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So the king of the fields is David. I, I know you're going to go with me, right? I got you. You and your guys, y'all with me? And I want you to think about this. You got an enemy that's like, he's on that good of terms with David. He says, hey, you, you go, you're going with me. The sad thing is David says in verse 2, so David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Achish said, man, I like you, David. You are, you a bad dude. I'm going to make you one of my chief guys forever. Now, some have suggested maybe David was just kind of going to trick him. Maybe David was pretending like he was going to be with him, but then was going to kill him when he went to war. It doesn't seem like that's the case in a couple of chapters when David actually is ready to go to war with the Philistine, with this guy, and the other Philistines are going to tell David, they're going to tell, the, they say, he can't come with us. You know, he, he might defect and, and do something. And when they tell David he can't come, he's like, oh, come on. It, it, you, you, you get the sense that he, he, he wanted to go. At this point of his life, David has digressed also into a sad place. And some would ask a question, what's the difference between David and Saul then? Saul seems like he's in a messed up place. David's in a messed up place. And if I could just, you know, I, I don't want to cheat through the whole study, but I got to just give you this, this nugget because we we'll get back to David's life. David will return to the Lord. And that's the difference. Anybody here ever had a rough season? And by rough, I mean a season where you were doing dumb stuff that you shouldn't have been doing and you knew better than to be doing. And one of the evidences that you are actually a child of God is that you make your way back. You don't stay out there. Now, Saul been gone for a long time. Saul ain't made his way back to the Lord yet. And Saul never makes his way back to the Lord. Um, David, while he makes some blunders and some mistakes, there's a heart that says, mm, at some point, for us, it'll be chapter 30, where David, he gets broken and he, he knows right where to go. He goes back to the Lord and he turns back to the Lord. And so I just want to remind you guys of that we're flawed. Uh, we mess up. And while we're looking at the mistakes of others, it's, it's important for us to reflect on our own frailty. Uh, the fact that we make mistakes as well. So um, we're going to leave David at verse two. And it's kind of like a good, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys, there's some shows that I watch with my wife and, and um, some of these shows do a great job, but like they give you enough information to cliffhang you. And they're like, no, I don't want to see the rest of that. Well, we'll see the rest of 28 and 29, that, that first two verses. Now we move into verse three to the life of Saul. So let me explain why I titled the chapter Won't Listen, Can't Hear. You know, we look at David's life, um, but we're looking specifically now at Saul. There was a point where Saul had a relationship with the Lord, it seemed. There was at least a point where God was speaking to Saul very clearly. And Saul wouldn't listen. God said, Saul, I want you to go and destroy the Amalekites, utterly destroy them. And Saul wouldn't do it. And he made excuses for why he didn't do it. He blamed the people. He, he, he blamed everybody except himself. And so now there comes a point where God won't speak. So uh, I tried it, you know, won't listen, can't hear. Uh, I had this analogy in my mind, um, you know, if, if someone were instructing someone that's, uh, you know, shooting and they say, man, you got to put your ear, you got to put your ear protection on when you go shooting. And let's say somebody just won't take that counsel. No, I just go, they start shooting guns and not putting on ear protection. If you, if you won't listen after a while, you ain't going to be able to, you, you ain't going to be able to hear, you know, the, the ability to hear is going to be removed because you wouldn't listen when you could hear. And spiritually that can happen to us that God is saying right now, I'm speaking to you. You hearing me count that a privilege. That you, you're hearing from the Lord? Is God speaking to you in your time in the word? Is he speaking to you in your private life? Is he speaking to you through the word? Count that a privilege because there are some people that God's like, I'm not speaking to you. 
you've disobeyed me for so long that when you want to hear something, you're not going to be able to hear. And so we'll, we'll look at that. I got a bunch of verses. So later on, y'all get ready with y'all pens. So I'm going to give you some notes in a little bit. So let's look at verses three and four. Now it says, now Samuel had died and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. So this is reflecting back to a time when Saul was doing what God said do. There was a time when God told Saul what to do and Saul did it. So when Saul took over as king, um, God said, I want any king of Israel, I want you to wipe out the mediums and spiritists from the land. I want to explain mediums and spiritists and why God demanded that of them and give you those verses. So first of all, medium spiritists, these are those that would either conjure up the dead or, you know, it was demonic activity. They were either conjuring up demons that were pretending to be the dead or they were conjuring up, you know, dark magic, that sort of thing. Um, and so these is, you know, some of the places where where Israel would go in uh, some of these pagan nations that didn't believe in the God of Israel. This was how they worshiped. Um, they, they didn't seek the Lord. They went and sought the medium or the spirit is to conjure up demons and to delve into that. And I want you guys to know that that is very real. Angels are real. God is real. Satan is real. Demons are real. And you can. Some people are intrigued by these things. Um, they, they recognize that there's power there. The power that we want to be connected with is God's power. That's the power that you want to seek. That's the power that you want to be excited about, that you want to be inquiring about. You don't want to be fooling around with Satan and his power because everything about Satan is bad. Satan is a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He comes to steal, to kill, destroy. There's nothing good that comes as a Christian. Should you be doing horoscopes? No, absolutely not. Right. Why would you if, if you're going to be seeking something unknown, you want to get it from God, because even if Satan tells you something, he's a liar. So I've had people, you know, can a demon speak through people? Yes. Right. Satan is a counterfeit. Does God speak through people by his spirit? Absolutely. And Satan will speak through people, too. Here's what Satan knows, the past. So someone say, you know, I went to this place and, and she knew my grandma. She she knew all this stuff. Yeah, the devil was around with your grandma. Right. But now now you put faith in this person because they drew up some information from grandma and you're letting them now lie to you about the future. My proof that ain't no tarot reader, palm reader, any of them. The, my proof that they don't know nothing is if you could really know the future, they all win the lottery and they wouldn't be saying I'll read your palm for five dollars. Right. They wouldn't be at the beach saying five dollar palm reading. They wouldn't have a neon sign that say come in. And if they if they could just know the future, they're going to they, they're offering to give you your numbers. Go get your own numbers. You know, what I mean, you you wouldn't have to be here. You wouldn't you wouldn't even need this little crummy job. And so anyway, that's 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 I digress. What God demanded of Israel when they went into the land was to put them out. Why? Because God wanted he, he didn't want his people seeking these things. He didn't want his people wrapped up in these things. And it is one of the ways that Satan will attach himself to God's people. Um, people wonder, how do people get possessed? How do those doors get open? People do dumb stuff. People get curious. People go into places where they shouldn't go. People start seeking things they shouldn't seek. I've dealt with people that have been demon possessed. I've seen it come through drug addiction. I've seen it come through, you know, direct contact. I was a young man that was in my youth group and found himself demon possessed. And when we got all unraveled and all done, I said, what happened? He had a breakup with some girl and he was trying to get, you know, get back with her. And and he did. He thought she was cheating. 
and he went and did someone that does Santity of Voodoo. He, he's opened himself up to demons to find out if this girl is cheating on him or not. And then he got demons. So uh, rather she's cheating or not, you've got a raw deal, homeboy, you know. So uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, this took years of his life to unravel because they didn't know if it was schizophrenic, if it was a, a mental condition. It ended up for him that it was demonic and that he was delivered and God cleared his mind. Um, but it's very real and it's something that you don't want to be fooling with or playing with. And so God had commanded his people how to deal with it. If you want to write these verses down, write down Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31. And uh, I'll read it to you real quick. Leviticus 19, uh, verse 31, it says, give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. And again, this was God's instruction to Israel. And then also write down Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. And I'll read that to us as well. And it says this. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. So God is telling Israel, the reason why I'm giving you victory over them is because they do this mess. So don't you go there and be intrigued by it and start doing it. Put them out of here. The reason I'm allowing you when you when you go into the land of the ites and you guys are having victory over them in war. God says the reason I'm giving you victory over them is because they're trusting in demonic powers and you guys are trusting in the power of God. I'm giving you victory over your enemies. And so Saul, once upon a time, had obeyed the Lord, was putting out the spirits and mediums. And I think this is thrown in here because in the same chapter, we're going to see Saul digress so far where he goes looking for one of them. Right. Saul had put him out. Of, he had killed him and put him out, which he was supposed to do. The one that whoever got left behind, Saul in this chapter is going to go and say, hey, can you find me one of them? Find me one of them. It, it'd be like somebody, you know, putting out all the crackheads or the crack dealers and then coming back and saying, can you go find me? Is any crack dealers left? I need and, and just digressing that far. That's what we're going to see in Saul's life in this chapter. So um, verse four. Now it says, then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped in Gilboa. So the Philistines are coming out against Saul. Uh, they're emboldened. The enemy is feeling powerful and they, they go pick a fight with Saul. They go find him where he is and they, they get in battle array. They get ready to go to war with Saul. Verse five, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. Why is Saul so afraid? Two reasons. One, um, he's not right with God. And he knows that the Lord has departed from him. And so you can look earlier, you can look at, you know, Saul seemed like he, he was a coward most of the time that he was here. But, but here, knowing that I'm not right with the Lord, God is not speaking to me. Um, I'm, I'm by myself in this. It says that he was afraid um, he trembled greatly when he found out that the enemies were coming against him. Now, again, in comparison to this, there are going to be times where David is in the area 
And it's not even that the enemies have come out to him. David's like, Lord, I see the enemies over there. Should we go get them? And it's like, well, how come David seems so? Because David is in communication. And the Lord is speaking back to David and God will tell David, yes, you should surely go and uh, I'm going to deliver him to in your hands and you're not going to lose anybody. So imagine going to battle with the word of the Lord that says you're going to have a victory. You're not going to lose anything. How confident are you going to be? Right. You're going to be very confident. You're going to go and you know that you have the victory. But Saul has none of that. Saul is saying, man, I'm, I am I am in a bad way. God won't speak to me. And. Israel is coming out against me and he is scared. He's terrified. And uh, I wrote down here, had he feared the Lord, had Saul been a man that feared the Lord, he wouldn't have to be afraid of the Philistines. It's because he wouldn't fear the Lord that now he has to be afraid of everything else that comes against him. A man or woman that will fear the Lord doesn't have to be afraid of anything else. And so I would just challenge us here. If you find that you're privy or you're given to fear a lot, just back up a few steps and make sure that you're walking in the fear of the Lord. There's great confidence for the man or woman that just walks in the fear of the Lord. God, I honor you with my life. I obey you with my life. My life is in your hands. And there, there's not a lot to have to fear when your life is safely in the hands of the Lord. And so, um, you know, had Saul been the man that feared the Lord, uh, he wouldn't have always been afraid of everybody else. And so moving on, verse six, and we're going to kind of camp here for just a moment. It says, when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. So a question to you guys, I'll throw this out for you guys for just a moment. Why won't God respond to Saul now that Saul is seeking him? So we know Saul messed up before. We know he wasn't listening before. But now Saul is saying he inquired of the Lord and God won't speak to him. Not in a dream, not through the priest, through the Urim and not by a prophet. Uh, why do you think God is not willing to speak to him at this point? Uh, if you don't mind, we're going to pause here because I think this is so important uh, for us. I think one of the things that. I see Christians and people in church struggle with is when they need to hear from God. It's like, I've been praying, I'm praying about this. I need to hear from God about this thing right here. And I'm not hearing anything. And it's like, you know why? Because Saul, Saul needed, Saul right now believes I need God to speak to me about this war. And God is like, bro, we talked a long time ago about a whole lot of other things. I, I don't really care about this war thing right now. It's all part of this. You, you're under punishment right now. Um, but there's a reason why God won't speak. There's some verses that reveal to us reasons why God won't answer prayers, won't respond. So I'm going to give you some verses. I want you to write them down just for your information. I'm going to read them to you guys, give a little bit of explanation, and then we'll, we'll move on. So um, Psalm 66, verse 18, the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So if, if, if I'm, if I'm, you know, there's maintaining sin in my heart, God's like, I, I won't listen to that. I, I, and this, so a few people said it uh, this way. God knew what was in his heart, right? God knows if I just want what I want from you. I don't really want you, God. I don't really want to obey you. I'm still going to do everything I'm going to do, but I want what I want right now from you. God knows that. And so God said, if you regard iniquity in your heart, I won't hear you. I'm not listening. Um, Isaiah 59 verse 2. Uh, I, I guess verse one and two always go together. It says the, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. 
but it's your sins that are separated between you and your God. And then verse two says, but, but your iniquities are separated between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Not a matter of his ability to hear, he won't hear. God is saying, look, you're, you're continuing in sin and rebellion. I'm not listening. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.